you were holding up your book. Yeah. Right. I'll hold my book up. I just got it the other day. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, there it is, yeah. Yeah. Because today's your launch day, right? Yeah, today, yeah, today is a launch day. Um, it, uh, uh, it was, it's actually been available to order, uh, for the last week. It's just the way the Amazon works, but today is the, uh, the official launch day. And, um, and I'm doing a, uh, on the 22nd on Tuesday, the 22nd of this month, I'm going to be with a couple of other writers at the, uh, at the library social house, the Vancouver public library, the hub that's right attached to it. And we're doing a, uh, it's attached to another kind of a writer's thing that was at the library. And then we're doing this outside. There's myself and a couple of other writers are going to do a little bit of a reading and I'm going to have books there to sell. And so it's a launch in person, in person. Oh, that's going to be fabulous. Yeah. Cause, cause my first book, the Amsterdam yeah. deception was we launched it March, 2020, just as the whole world was putting on hazmat suits. So um, there was no, there was no in person. There was no, no anything essentially. So that's brutal. Yeah, that is, yeah. I really feel for every author who was launching a book, especially March, when yeah. everything just went. Whoa, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. You know, and anyone who was launching a book in 2020, I'm just like, oh God, that must have felt awful. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about. This incredible book, The Tokyo Diversion. Um, we, we just did an interview, you and I, um, mm -hmm. with Kate and with, uh, oh my God, the names are just escaping me now. People, check it out. Check it out. It was a great um, Canadian Book Club Awards. Three of us, four of us, there were four of us there talking. Uh, Tony, Kate, Keneally. And was I am Kimberly. Was it Kimberly? Oh, I am. I am. I, my apologies to yes. these fellow yes. authors. Right. Um, I can remember the names of characters, but sometimes the names of people, I'm sorry, just <laughs> slip, slip yeah. past my mind. But um, we were having a really good discussion and uh, we were tonight, today, we're going to talk strictly with Tony about the Tokyo diversion. Now, this book, in that interview, you had mentioned that setting is your superpower. And I have to read this opening because this is a fantastic opening. Um, I have it here on my little e-reader. So this is people sit back, enjoy. Okay, I, I'm just going to read. So it starts off, Kabukacho District in Shinjuku. Tokyo, Japan. Yumi Hattori pressed her hand against the narrow window of her kabukacho accommodation, the gold charms on her bracelet tinkling against the frame. Her favorite, the ballet dancer in a full pirouette, caught the light from the room. She sighed, remembering a love of dance that felt three lifetimes ago. Touching her forehead to the glass, she watched hundreds of neon signs twinkle through the drizzle, advertising bars, cafes, massages, and short-term hotels. The most infamous red light district in Japan, 
Kabuka chose many tiny alleys filled with hidden staircases and doors promised anonymity. She had hoped to remain invisible for a long time. She was wrong. That scene, I read it and I just, I thought, damn, that's good. That's good. You know, like I can, I can see it. And that's what I want is to see these stories and just see her leaning her head against the, the glass Talk to me about that scene. Talk to me. Was it inspired by um was it inspired by a visit to Kabukacho? So, you know, I didn't really introduce myself, but my 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 background is uh um I've worked for you know, I've been in the high-tech industry. I've worked for Apple, Microsoft, and IBM. Uh and um luckily, and it was sort of it was sort of more accidental, I got started to I got started to be sent around internationally kind of role that I have, um, you know, I got sent to Europe and I got sent to Asia for sales, sales, cut, talking to customers and things like that. And I got a chance to go to Japan. I've actually been there about six times over my career. And um, so in, in Tokyo, Tokyo's very large city and Shinjuku is a, is fairly major um, business district, business um, hotels, um, shopping you know lots of people uh go there in shibuya which is the next district over if i'm if i'm my memory serves correct it has the busiest subway station in the world they have like 10 million people go through that subway station i think i, I may be off of the numbers every day so it's it's certainly sort of central tokyo and um you know i you wandering around and you know you're wandering around you know shinjuku and then you get to this area called Bukicho, which is, like I said, there's bars and restaurants and neon signs. So it's super interesting, yeah. right? And I um, can't remember. I started, uh, I knew that I needed uh, a, a woman in that in that book. And I, I started off with that scene and I'm, I remember writing it and, and uh, that she's, you know, she's, you'll find out very soon she's on the run. Um, but yeah, it's a combination of me being there, a combination of, of watching some different movies, combination of a, a variety of things um, that I was able to, uh, you know, and thank you very much for, for the accolades. You know, I was able to capture the, the oh, shit, <laughs> I, you know, I've been found again, right? That's, yeah. the, uh, that's what I was trying to capture in that scene. Well, you've also given a hint at her character. And I like this just with the um, the bracelet, you know, mm -hmm. or the charm bracelet mm -hmm. of the ballet dancer in a full pirouette. Like she sees that. So already we've got, you know, you're not saying she was a ballet dancer, but mm -hmm. it's now I'm wondering, okay, you know, she she loves this this charm bracelet with the pirouette. So who mm -hmm. who is this woman who's on the run? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now thinking of this woman this is also uh, i think a testament of your writing and the different voices with your writing mm -hmm. and changing up the dialogue because your protagonist is a male ballet dancer mm -hmm. uh super fit and you write 
in this young woman's voice in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. She's trying to escape. And in her inner dialogue, you know, it, we learn she was sick with the pregnancy thanks to a love affair that got carried away. And I, you know, I was looking at those words and I thought, okay, that's a different way to say it, you know, and it's fitting for her character. Mm-hmm. So do you find some characters surprise you? Um, I mean, the other day I'm working on a short story. I have a male character and this line of dialogue came to me, which I'm not going to repeat. Okay. And uh, I just thought, yeah, he would say that. So I scribbled it down. So how about you? I am constantly surprised um, what shows up on the page. Um, You know, I have an idea. And so this is, this is from, and I mentioned on the podcast before, um, I have a couple of mentors uh, in Seattle, uh, Jack Remick and, and Robert Ray. Um, and several years, a bunch of years ago, I took some of their classes when they came out to the Surrey Writers Conference in, in, in Vancouver. And they, they taught timed writing and writing with strong verbs. And, and then NaNoWriMo, I did the National Novel Writing Month, which is, which is all timed writing. And the process is, uh, in, in, you know, in some cases, you know, I know what I'm going to do. I, I know, I know where the I need to have something happen in the scene with that character, but uh, stuff happens. People they say things, um, uh, and I found if I try and push it to a certain a certain direction, it's it it goes back to true north, right? The yeah. And if the voice the voice isn't working, I can tell the voice isn't working, and I'll and I'll actually stop, and I'll just sort of okay, I got to let go, and then, and so her voice and her what happens is in, in the in the you know the first couple of chapters with her, uh, uh was, uh, surprised me, I guess, right, um, because she's more um more take charge, uh uh more take charge character that's been she's learned to take charge because of her experience and her growing up and and you know a variety of things so but yeah i'm constantly i'm constantly surprised um about what happens i have you know i have an idea but then all the characters show up and i'll have a character you know say something a particular voice and and yeah i'm always i'm always going oh where did that come from so it's uh and, and sometimes it can be a little scary. You're just like, oh my God, if people knew what. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman says, write your first draft. And then your second draft is to, is to make people believe that you knew what you were doing the whole time. Right. So. That's, that's actually very good advice. Yeah. Now also thinking about your background and a software company and our woman on the run, we will get to your protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um in this novel, you write, she doesn't need to talk to anyone as a touch screen and tap credit card machine were all she needed to book the room. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking to myself, technology has made it so much easier for crime, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. sadly, it works better for, I think, the thriller author, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, you can certainly be anonymous. Um, 
in a, in a bunch of ways. Uh, you know, and also in a big city too, right? Big cities seem to have you know, lots of anonymity anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, and in, in Japan, one thing about Japan that really struck me, and I'd, I'd read about it before the first time I go there, there's, um, there's uh, dispensing machines for everything. Really? Yeah. So the, the, the one that I, really struck me funny was uh, uh, there was a machine to get coffee hot coffee and tea and stuff and cold drinks in the same machine, hot and cold in the same machine. I'm going, well, we don't do in Canada. We have a cold machine and we have a hot, we don't have, but they're all together. Right. And then you see rows of dispensing machines for food and drink and aspirin and can't like, it's just in there like rows and rows of these things everywhere. And it's absolutely complete. Tokyo is completely clean. Okay. There's, it's almost no garbage or the last time I was there, it's just, it's super well maintained. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, just different cultural pieces, um, that you, you find going to these different cultures in different cities. I just, I found, I find completely fascinating. So then it was being there that made you think, like, I was wondering if it was being there and then thinking, it sounds like you were there and the idea of situating a story that starts there Mm -hmm. that came first it wasn't a matter of oh i think i'm going to write about and then researching yeah it was a bit of i'd been there before uh, and again it it was a a few years ago when i first started that first scene but um yeah i was kind of i knew i wanted i I knew i wanted to write in in japan i was trying to figure that out but yeah i wrote that first scene which kind of cemented the the location and then i had to get my main character there and I had to, I had to figure that out. A lot of that was kind of um, organic as well. Yeah. Because I know I've been wanting to write in a different location and uh, with coming from crown council, I knew of the international criminal court. I knew of the Hague Mm -hmm. and it was the day when I saw that I could watch a live stream of an actual court case trial in the hague and 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 download the transcripts you know i thought i could do this okay i can do this you know especially the court stuff but and then with the research i'm finding i want i really want to go there now like i've re- I, I got to get there <laughs> i to get to the hague yeah right so now david knight your protagonist and i yes. thought this oh I thought this was a good lesson what you did. Uh, he's a ballet dancer. As you've mentioned in previous podcasts, incredibly fit, athletic baller, ball, ballet dancer is, ballerinas are. And it makes total sense that in book two, he's the same person, but he's going through stuff. And um, I was just wondering, where is David at with regards to his own mental health after book one? So book one, uh, uh, he was kind of fighting for his life and trying to figure out, like he was um, he was implanted with these memories of a, a, an ex-Cold War spy who, who had died. And um, he spends most of the book trying to get a handle on what that is and, and um, 
he survives, of course, to the next book, but he's, he's had these, he's had the memories, the memories have basically evaporated, but he's left with, uh, he's just, he's just grumpy, yeah. angry, grumpy, kind of pissed off at just about everything. Yeah. And he's not sure why. Right. And he's, he's, he's frustrated. He's dancing really well. Um, and, uh, he's got, there's kind of glimmers of the other man's life, but he's not, there's nothing conscious. Right. And, uh, the other kind of theme is, you know, now dancers, uh, ballet dancers, you know, and lots of artists, you know, uh, don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Right. So, you know, he's forced to live in a, you know, a basement suite, lower lockdown kind of a, you know, pauper's place he's sharing with, with, with another person, you know, he's, he's seeing, and, and in Toronto, it starts off in Toronto yeah. and, and Toronto's a, you know, quite a rich city, right? There's, it's a, you know, it's Canadian, but there's lots of, lots of money in Toronto and he's sort of seeing the, the haves and the have nots. He's, you know, he's, he, he loves his job, but he's kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's seeing the inequity, um, you know, and the kind of a bit of a class system. But his his mental health is I'm 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 mad and I'm not really sure why right yeah. and and it's pretty hard to tell a, a therapist oh I'm I'm mad because I've had somebody else's memories popped into me because they'd be you know <laughs> he'd be incarcerated in the hospital if he had yeah. started saying things like that right so um, so that's kind of where how it starts off and it makes total sense you know because sometimes I um, you know you read books in a series. And it's like, okay, well, how are they doing? They've just solved a murder in book three, and it's like they've bounced back. No, <laughs> they, they've got to be yeah. like coping or at least yeah. addressing that they've been coping. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, when I'm not giving anything away, but, you know, David finds out that uh, he's kind of going on a break from dancing, yes. yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, like, it's a year later. It's a year. It's wow. you basically arrived back into Canada and then it, and then it take, it starts, the book starts about a year later that he's, yeah. he's back in dance and, and uh, yeah, he finds out um, that uh, it's break time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm thinking that's where you really, as a reader have the sympathy for him. Because you know, okay, stuff's not. I always love. I love characters who they got to deal with stuff, okay, <laughs> you know, in their own yeah. lives, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when now, are you a plotter? Do you plot? I I do. I'm more of a pantser. Yeah, and uh, a, a couple of writers. Um, do this. And so I get, I do a reverse outline once I get to a particular spot in the book. So reverse I'll, outline. yeah, yeah. So I, so I'll write, um, I'll do, I'll do a tiny bit of plotting, like a half a page or so just to where I'm going and I'll write, 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 write. And then, and then what I'll do is, um, I will then outline I'll, I'll write an outline based on what I'd written so far yeah. to see if I can see, you know, see the end. I don't, I don't pants the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I get to a point that I, Oh, I've, 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 I've gone back and I write the map of where I've gone. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I can start to put in, oh, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. Um, you know, this is good. You know, some, some things I get to go, where did that come from? I had no idea that was gonna, you know, so, um, like some of the, um, the, uh, the, the bad guys that show up mid part through the book, I was, I was initially very surprised they showed up and I was going, really? Like, <laughs> honestly, it's like, it, it was a bit, it, I thought it was a little cliche, but it actually, I think worked out okay. But I was quite, I was surprised me that they yeah. that showed up so um excellent yeah yeah well the reason why i ask is because you write a series i write a series and my question is uh, and I've, i remember i learned from uh i think it was barbara fratkin had said don't kill off your hero because <laughs> you never know you may want to bring them back yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know right yeah and uh I don't know how many, I know I will always be writing, but I don't know how many, and I know there's going to be a fourth in my Jade series, mm -hmm. but I don't know how, how many books I will be writing with her. Mm -hmm. um, now, where I'm going with this is, okay, for example, I heard... J.K. Rowling knew that she was going to write, like uh, whether it was eight or ten, I can't remember the number right. of the Harry Potter series. Okay, right. um, you have the Kinsey Malone series. You know, uh, like I say, names. I'm so sorry for this yeah. legendary writer. Yeah. You know, the alphabet A to and yeah. she thinks that's Sue Grafton. Sue Grafton. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you know how many? If you're going to do a certain number of books with this series, or are you just going to let it play out with David, David Knight, with your character? Um, I've got an idea for one more okay. at this point. Um, I'm happy to keep going, uh, yeah. but um, I've got some other, there's some other uh, other characters in other universes or other worlds that I, I wanted to explore. Um, it's so interesting. So, you know, I've been, you know, I, 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 I'd written it. Um, it took a while to get into the publisher. It got, you know, it took a while to get into the, their edit cycle. Um, and so, you know, um, I'm trying to think the, the timing, but I, you know, I got the, I got the edit letter from our the great editor that we have. Um, so I went through that, went through, you know, so back and forth process. Right. And I, so I spent the last while doing this and plus I've got a day job. Um, and so now this is, this is launched and I'm going, hmm, I, uh, I'm feeling antsy. I, I have to start, I have to write something again. I've got to get, I'm feeling, got this itch. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's funny. I just, I, um, because, uh, yeah, I got to do one. I got, you know, so I'm, 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 I've got, I've got one thing that I've started, uh, with a female, a female main character. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm also, do I want to do that or do I want to, um, do book three. So I'm, I'm kind of tossing that around. Yeah. See, and that's where I was, I was at, I'm now reading. <laughs> I had a nightmare, not a nightmare, a dream last night involving nurses. I'm reading um, an anthology of uh, stories, which are true, written by nurses, because my next character, it's going to be a different genre. Mm -hmm. time travel mm -hmm. um 
urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I have this idea for this heroine who's going to be a nurse. So I'm 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 reading like what right. and I'm just being blown away by what nurses have to deal with. And uh I was in that same position before I, I started. It was like, okay, am I going to do this time travel or am I going to do the next Jade series, mm-hmm. like the next Jade book in mm-hmm. Den Hague, right? Or right, the, right. the Hague, yeah, right? Yeah. So I have I have been waiting on this time travel for about two years now. And it's like, no, nope, this is time, this is it. I feel it's almost like I feel confident enough that okay, I can leave jade's world for a little bit now Mm -hmm. and yeah so anyways thank you for letting me talk about me okay (laughs) so you had mentioned about these uh the bad guys coming Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. unexpectedly Mm -hmm. so it sounds like you had some surprises along the way and Mm -hmm. uh did you did you find that plot lines would sounded like would change from originally planned no i was um i think that was part of the the, the pantsing I was doing, um, yeah. and and it it I once I'd gotten to a certain certain area because I knew I wanted to get him to Japan, um, and then I had to I had to kind of re- again reverse outline to go uh, to come up to where I you know where I was trying to get to right, and then why they were involved and and how that was going to resolve. So, um, but yeah, that was that was I was quite surprised. Because there needs, you know, there obviously needs to be a struggle, yeah. whether it's you know an internal struggle and external struggle. So that was a pretty good external struggle. Good, good, okay. Now, writing. Did you find writing this book, the Tokyo Diversion? It must have been a, like a different experience from writing the first one. And, yes. and and how so? Like uh, positive or negative, or were you harder on yourself? No, it's. Um, uh, I found it, and less. I'm going to say easier because that's okay. writing is not easy, um, but uh, I had a. <laughs> I I could say I knew what I was doing. I I had a better sense of direction. Okay. So. Um, cause when you're any, anytime you're writing a book, your first book, uh, there's, you know, it, most writers I know are filled with self-doubt, um, are filled. They're happy when they get a chapter or a page or, you know, a couple of sentences. And, and a lot of people go, oh, I could never write a book. And I go, well, it's, it's actually, it, it's hard, but it's not as hard as you think it's going to be right. Like it's a, it's a bit of a, <clears throat> it's a bit of a putting together a very large puzzle you have to you have to make the pieces but you it's um it's it's less challenging and i think i'd written enough um that i had the 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 writing muscle so i I was trusting my process um i was trusting the time writing i was trusting um the the whole creative piece to be able to um to be able to do this so i remember the first book um, as I'm learning how to write, and I'd taken some courses, and I'd been to the Surrey Writers Conference, and I was trying to find the right, I was trying to find the right process. Right? Is there? There must be. There must. There must be one process that I could follow. And I remember going to the. And I've, I've mentioned this in the last podcast, but I, I went to the the, the uh, Granville Island Writers Festival, the Vancouver Writers Festival. This was a bunch of years ago, 
And there was a mystery writer panel. And there's a couple of mystery writers. There was a guy who was a lawyer, did legal thrillers. And there was a woman who was an ex-sports journalist. And she did sports mysteries. Oh, wow. Right. And, and I, you know, there was, they were talking and then there was, uh, it was actually the, um, the, the, the guy that was the panel uh, who moderated the panel was the, uh, who did Da Vinci's inquest. The, uh, remember the, uh, he was a, he was a lawyer in Vancouver. I, I'm, yeah. I, his name's escaping me. We can't yeah. remember names. We can't remember. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So I, we got to ask, ask questions and I, I put up my hand. I said, so what's your writing process? And, and the, lo- the lawyer went, oh, I outline everything, every page, like a <laughs> 50 page outline. And, you know, I don't write anything until I get the outline done. And the woman said, well, I know that, uh, you know, it's going to be the baseball player and he's going to get killed in a bat with a bat <laughs> in the arena. That's it. I have no idea. So I write to that, right? I, that's the dead okay. body. And I go, oh, thanks for clearing that up for me, right? <laughs> You know, so uh, so it it I was learning writing as I'm writing, and now my uh, the process is now right. It's sort of like I I built my first house, yeah. now I've built the second one, and I I made a bunch of mistakes in the first one, which I'm you know hopefully I fixed before I got to got to publication. The second one, I, yeah, I know how to I know how to build that house now, right? I can yeah. I can it's it's a it's it's more of a familiar process, and and I can I'm trusting myself more as I'm writing. So yeah, yeah, and I find. Um, I, 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 one author I interviewed now, was it my interview or was it was an interview I saw where this author had said, explaining our process is so hard because sometimes the author doesn't even know what their process is, you know? So it's hard to explain something when you don't even really know how you do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think experience makes it easier. Uh, and I think each individual author's process is different. Mm-hmm. It's unique. And uh, I find for me, adapting my work practice, you know, that that regulated uh, show up at 8 a.m., leave at 4.30 I show up in this office usually at around 9 a.m. And that's early morning and the morning and evening is when I can get my best writing done. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I find is it's realizing that, okay, you're like you said, you're getting down that first draft. But after that, it's it's not wrong. And it's okay if you then toss out. 10 pages of stuff that you then read and think this is garbage, you know, yeah. like you could save it. Right. But that's okay. That's yeah. part of the whole process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other trick, and I, I think I mentioned that in the first podcast is um, I like to write in coffee shops okay. and I can now because the pandemic's over yeah. um, because I go in and I buy a, you know, a, a nice coffee for $5. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I sit down and there's usually some noise, not too much yeah. noise. And, uh, and I, I sit down because I, I, there's a, at home, there's distractions, right? There's yeah. things to do and everything, but I go, I just paid $5 for this coffee. I better write something. And, yeah. and there's a, there's been some research that, um, uh, some good background noise is actually very conducive to, uh, 
to create a process. Right. And um, makes a huge difference. So I go and I, I write for about an hour. I can get I can get a you know, about a thousand words in an hour if I'm just if I'm just cranking along. And uh, and so so I use the the carrot and the stick. I get the coffee and the stick because yeah. I paid for the coffee. So that's why I better I better write right. So yeah. that's the that's kind of the process that I use. Well, what I'm doing now is I did a a six month I'll say stint when I was still working at the motor vehicle branch that I think was one of the most stressful jobs I've ever had. And that's way beyond working at the prosecutor's office. Okay. And I remember I would put on spa music just quietly at my desk, just to stay calm. Okay. (laughs) When people are calling in about their tickets, you know, and so I'd have the spa music and we were in like cubicles, just one after another. Okay. And the assistant to the cubicle to my right would say, Joanna, I love that spa music. Just keep playing that. So it was like working for both of us. So now what I'm doing, you said music, you know, the dogs will be here and I will put the spa music on. I'll start Mm -hmm. writing. And I know one day I kind of look down and both dogs are just like out. And I'm thinking, okay, let's keep the spa music. It's working on the dogs. It's working for me, right? My husband and I were talking about writing, and I said, I felt like writing was like rock climbing. And then he had said to me, well, with rock climbing, you really need to be focused. And I said, well, that's exactly with writing. It is, Mm -hmm. you're maneuvering, it's tough. It's at times I find it um, the mental challenge, you know, and because I am going to plot, not the full story, but let's say I've learned from other authors, they plot half the story, mm-hmm. but you need that focus and you need that commitment. Um, so like now you finished, your book is finished, you received mm-hmm. the copies. Mm-hmm. Um, when the edits are done, how do you feel? Like, A, do you think it's do you think it's like rock climbing or how do you feel? Do you feel like you've reached the top of that mountain when you're, you've done your book? It's um, it. What's interesting is that because it takes such a long time, it's like it takes you two years to climb a mountain, right? Yeah. Um, Cause I, I submitted the edits um, a couple of months ago, I'm trying to think of the, the timing, probably um, May or June. And then we have to do cover. And then, with you know, there's a variety of things. So it was exciting to get the books yesterday, but it was almost, almost anticlimactic because I didn't just finish it the day before. Yeah. Right. You know, um, but what's interesting is, is uh, I got a second book, right? It's just like the, the first one. Okay. There's a fluke, right? One hit wonder. I'm going, uh, I got a second one. Yeah, so it it's, um, yeah. so, it, so it's a, it's certainly an acknowledgement that, that I'm a writer, right? Yeah. Lots of writers go through, um, um, sort of imposter syndrome or, you know, whatever you want to, um, however you want to say. And I'm just, uh, so I'm being pragmatic, but it's just, it's, it's just so nice to have it. And, um, I'm not jumping up at, on the mountain. And however, you know, I, I've got this, this uh, event on the the 22nd 
that will be really interesting to see how yeah. I'm feeling, you know, with other people around and I'm doing some reading and, and, um, selling books hopefully and uh, so i'm excited about that i hope someone takes pictures and you yeah. post on social media yeah, yeah i will yeah. <laughs> right? yeah you know so serious question before we kind of yeah. wrap things up with a couple of lighter questions what do you think you're the first person i've asked this what do you think as authors we can do to protect our work our livelihood with regards to AI. Um, AI is here, and mm -hmm. it's not going to go away. So, what I'm I'm curious to find what what do you think we could do, or just what's your point of view about it? Um, well, it's it's, it's interesting because I'm I'm involved in in this generative AI within the company that yeah. I'm I'm working for, and I'm actually doing research on it, um, and. I think there's, you know, while while AI is good for some things, I I believe that um, I believe there's still um, there's still room for authors. It's it's a bit of um, uh, because the way I, AI works is that it actually it 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 takes all these other books and and uh, they call it a large language model to to write a, a plot or a story. And, you know, there's only, you know, seven plots, right? Or yeah. seven stories or, or whatever. Um, but again, there, there's, there's, it's all algorithms versus emotion, right? So, yeah. you know, if I can, if, if an AI story makes me cry, yeah, um, that's different. But if I know it's an AI driven story, I may not even read it, right? Yeah. There's no, because you want to connect, you want to connect. You want to connect with the author. I want to connect yeah. with books I read. I, I want to connect with the author, and I want to understand where they come from. And, and so, um, while AI can, um, can be used, and and you know, Microsoft has the idea of AI copilot, right? Is you're not the, they're not driving the bus, but they're helping you. So you know, I'd love to have a you know AI kind of go through the book and go, oh, you missed something there, missed something there. Yeah. I can see it sort of as a developmental editor or bits yeah. and pieces of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we're safe. I think yeah. I think that um and there's so much pushback right now, certainly from the writers guild and the 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 um screen actors guild. I think I think we're safe for a while anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. Well that's I'm yeah, I'm still I'm still going to be writing. I have faith. I have faith in people. And I'm old enough. I remember when ebooks were just coming out. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in the news that ebooks, um, there would be no more chapters, there would be no more paper books. And I'm thinking, no, just let's, you know, people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I will still be buying paper, you know, and yeah. I buy both now, you know, it, it yeah. depends on the situation. Um, you know, it just depends on the situation. You know, mm -hmm. I have your book, it's an ebook. I've had your book as a book book, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I have faith in people and, uh, I do. I really do. Okay. So lighter question. Yes. What are you reading now? 
Um, I'm uh, so Robert Dagoni, who's written the um, kind of the front blurb, uh, is a friend of mine out of um, out of Seattle. He's uh, uh, he's he's a great author. He's a great teacher. I attended several of his classes, and and uh, you know, a, a super nice guy. He's got several books that I'm in the process of reading right now. Um, uh, and he's, he's typically kind of a, he has a, a, a series of the, um, uh, Tracy Crosswhite series, which is a, a Seattle detective. Um, so he has a series of that and he also has, um, kind of a spy, uh, thriller, uh, series as well. So I'm going through his, I've got, I've got, I've got a series of his books. I'm kind of going through those right now. And I'm, I also read a lot of, uh, it's funny enough. I also read a lot of, um, uh, nonfiction as well, yeah. whether it's um, psychology or, or business. I'm quite interested in the whole idea of cognitive bias, um, especially what's going on in, in the sort of U.S. and Canada with the political system. So that's super interesting. I'm, I'm just interested in that. Can you explain that to me, what cognitive bias is? So cognitive bias is, um, so the, the best example is, um, Cognitive bias is that uh, uh, the COVID vaccine didn't work, okay. right? You know, or masks don't work. So, yeah. so I'll just use, I won't say the vaccine, but masks yeah. don't work, right? Yeah. And, and so if you have a, if you have a belief yeah. that you've picked up that masks don't work, yeah. what cognitive bias is, is that even if I showed you data that said no masks do work, you would disregard that and you would look for data that supports your belief. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and what happens with cognitive bias? And there's cognitive bias with religion. There's actually 50 different kinds of cognitive biases. If you go into it, but you go, uh, people do not want to change their beliefs. Yeah. Because that means they're wrong. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and I've got lots of cognitive bias and all kinds of different things, but 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 basically. You know the the whole COVID thing, the the U.S. election, the U.S. January sixth. Yeah, it's all based on cognitive bias. I they believed Trump was this, or the yeah. election was stolen, and they look for data that supports that, and they disregard data that that disagrees with them. Yeah, that's that's, that's cognitive bias. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. That's yeah. okay. So is that, I'm wondering if that's going to end up in a book sometime. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I, I'm the first book. Um, there's a, there's a TV, uh, like a televangelist that has yeah. a fairly large um, population that supports him, um, which is you know, almost a cult following. And I was very interested in, in cult beliefs, which is really cognitive bias. You know, yeah. you believe this cult leader is the second coming or the whatever. And you look for data to support that because yeah. if, if if you disagree and you go, yeah, it's not true, you you're thrown out of that community is one yeah. thing, and you have to have to uh, take the hit that oh I'm actually wrong or I was yeah. stupid, <laughs> yeah. right? And people don't want to be you don't want to be wrong. You, you'd yeah. rather be you know they'd rather be right than happy essentially. Yeah. So. Um, uh, so that's the so, so I, that the beliefs belief systems are I, I I'm quite interested in that. And I remember the t the televangelists in that first yeah. book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Tony, 
what's next is let's please repeat your event that's happening because this podcast will come out on Saturday, August 12th. It's going to be on uh, Tuesday, uh, August uh, 22nd, starting at 8.30 p.m. down at the Vancouver Public Library on uh, West Georgia. It's at the Social House. And there's going to be myself and two other authors. We're going to be reading, and I'm I'm going to you know launch the book. Essentially, I'll have the books there, and I'll be reading reading from the book, and the other authors will be reading from the book. It'll be a nice kind of a nice event. Great. Well, I am very happy for you. Um, God, uh, it's I. I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's I know the work. Yeah, I know the you. work that's yeah, involved. Hey. And uh, great writing, you know, like I said that I, it's, I like it. I like it when I can see what the author, the writer has written and I get that image in my head, right? And I'm, I'm hoping I'm not quite finished. So I'm glad we didn't spoil anything. And I'm yeah. hoping David, I hope David's going to be okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, okay. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. <laughs>